Uh, just in case you're wondering, uh, I'm not Doc. I'm the old guy. Just thought I'd throw that out there. You can go with it wherever you want. But good morning. We're so glad that you're here. And if you're with us online, we thank you so much uh, for being online with us. And folks, whether you're here in this room or whether you're online, God has brought together an awesome family here. Man, it's a great place, a great place to gather. And folks, we are all brothers and sisters in this. And so, you know, in some cases, you know, that kind of scares me when I look at some of you, but that you're my brother and sister. But anyway, but family members are family members, you know. And we look out for one another. We desire what's best for one another. And folks, I want you to use your imagination to kick things off this morning. Just for a moment, if you had the power to create a life, now any life, okay, for your kids and your grandkids, and you know what their skill set would be, and, and you could set all of that up, what would you have them to be? What would be your ultimate for them? The where they could make the most influence in this world. Would it be president? Maybe a senator or representative? Well, how about maybe a, a CEO of a large company? Justice of the peace. I know, a movie star. A lot of people think they're very influential. A Heisman Trophy winner. What would you choose? Well, I remember when our oldest son, Travis, came to me and he said, hey, Dad, he said, what do you want me to be when I grow up? The first thing in my brain was, I want you to make a lot of money so you can take care of me and Mom when I get old, okay? Nah. But anyhow, now seriously, you get down to it, uh, what I really wanted for him is I, I kind of set him down and we talked a little bit, but I said, what I really want for you, whether you become a ditch digger or whether you become a brain surgeon, doesn't matter to me. What I want for you is that you grow up loving God and loving people. Now, you may be thinking, well, I just made that up. No, that's exactly what I told him. Because, folks, that is the most important people. I taught him, I want you to accept people for who they are. Because God does. I don't care if they're African-American. I don't care if they're Oriental. I don't care if they're Native American. I don't care if they sit in a wheelchair or whether they're blind, mute, poor, wealthy. I want my kids and my grandkids to treat all people the same. Do you agree? Yes. Now, oh, well, thank you. Well, now, if that's what you desire for your kids and your grandkids, do they know that's what you desire for them? Do they know that? Parents and, and, and grandparents, listen, listen. You know it as well as I know it. Some kids listen, and sometimes they just don't. They just shut you off. Well, Folks, there are many voices that our children and grandkids are listening to today. And saddened to say many wrong voices. They listen to their friends' advice, what they read on social media, what they read in the textbooks, what they hear from teachers at public school, what they hear from a professor at college. Listen, parents. Listen, grandparents. I know how much you worry about your kids because I worry about mine. And I want them to grow up to love God and to love people. And there's another father who is concerned with his own children, and that's our Heavenly Father. Our Creator has written down his wishes for each one of us. He's sharing with us exactly what he wants us to be as we grow up. 
And just like kids, we have a choice to what voices we listen to. We can either listen or not. Now, I want to turn your attention to our text in 1 John this morning. But as we, as we get there, I want you to know that the Apostle John writes to a group of Jesus followers who's listening to the wrong voices. They were listening to a man by the name of Serenthus. And now he was misleading a lot of people by teaching them that the spirit of man is entirely good. Okay? Then life beyond the grave, since the spirit is entirely good, life beyond the grave becomes assured. Matter of fact, this teaching even brought on a little broader span, and it said that then God, if that's the case, then God doesn't really care what I do with my body. Well, I assume all of us have heard the phrase, it's my body and I'll do what I want. And we might even think, well, that phrase came from the rebellious years of the 60s, just like, you know, over the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But I'm here to tell you, folks, that's not where it came from. This has been around much longer than the 1960s on back into ancient times. And many of the believers in John's writing to here bought into this lie. Now, before you accuse them so much and of calling them knuckleheads because they bought into this lie, folks, I'm here to tell you and saddened to say that there are believers today who buy into that lie. This voice, this voice is lying to you and trying to tell you and convince you it's okay to satisfy your sexual desires with anyone you choose. You don't need to wait till marriage. Now, go on, have sex. It's your right trying to convince you that it's okay to satisfy your sexual desires online and trying to convince you, I'm not hurting anybody. It's just me and the screen. Trying to convince you to end a baby's life before it begins. Trying to convince you that it's not a child, it's just an inconvenience. Trying to convince you and me it's okay to identify as a different gender than you were born with. It's your life. Do what you want. This voice, folks, this lie can take Jesus' followers to a very dark place where they begin to cancel out other people. Other Jesus' followers, man. They don't even, that, that they don't agree with. This lie will even cause a Jesus' follower to go too far as to hate anyone that disagrees with him. Now, when the Apostle John heard this, uh, this lie was being shared and taught uh, throughout this one area, he said, I got to do something about this. So he wrote a letter to this group of people, and he began there in 1 John 2.26. He says, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. You see, John is showing here how much he loved his brothers and sisters in Christ and wanted them to know know the truth. He also taught uh, that the Serenthius also even taught that morality, here's another lie, that morality should be left up and conduct should be left up to the individual's choosing. The idea that truth is based on what you believe truth is to what you think morals are, that's what Serenthius was teaching. That's the lie. Folks, these kind of lies cause problems. They cause issues. The issue, one of the main things, is you just can't be left up 
to an individual. Why can't it be left up to me to choose my own morals? Why can't it be left up to me to choose my own value system? <laughs> let, 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 me, let me give you this way. Picture Frankfurt, if you would, what it would look like if I get to choose what truth and morality is all about. That you get to choose. Each one in this room gets to choose what truth and morality is all about. So then again, here's the way it goes. Then my morality tells me if you have a bass boat and I want it, I get in my pickup truck and I come to your house and hook onto it and take it. All right? Well, if you're left up to your own desires, then you go do what you want. Look at what's going on around us, folks, and knowing what people are running after their own desires. In the past two years, people have been taking sides over the death of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. Think of this event. A man who was fleeing from the police drove his SUV into a crowd of people, innocent people, innocent children. And they were watching a parade go by. Five were killed, 40 were injured. Now, right now, folks, right now, the division among the students at Arizona State over the possibility of Kyle Rittenhouse coming on as a student, wanting, just, just the possibility that he wants to enroll. Here's another issue that's going on that we need to decide about, the Supreme Court debating over abortion rights. All these events, in one way or another, have affected our family here at Capital City Christian Church. Some people have such strong feelings about these issues, they begin to take sides. Issues on politics, BLM, LGBT, and their feelings begin to cloud their own spiritual judgment. These feelings can grow so strong, folks, they begin to cancel people out that don't agree with what they think truth is, or what they think morality is. Even, it doesn't matter, even if they're a brother and sister in Christ, they still cancel them out. So, what's a Jesus follower to do? How am I to react to this? How do we keep ourselves from falling into this trap of this cancel culture? Where do we turn for advice and guidance? Huh? Do we turn to the view? How about Oprah, CNN, Psychology Today? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Let's just go to the New York Times bestseller list and let's pick a book off that says, to, entitled, Surrounded by Idiots. Sure, let's take some advice from other people. The Apostle John reminded Jesus' followers what they were already taught. Here's the advice that they give him in John chapter 3, verse 11. He says, for this is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Doc explained the first part of this verse where, you know, the message is heard from the beginning. He's talking about when they heard it for the first time in their relationship with Jesus. But I want to move on into the second part where it says that we should love one another. Now, one thing I don't want you to get hung up on is that word should. And think that this implies that our love for one another is an optional. Nope, sorry, not an option. We either choose to love God's people God's way or not. 
Listen, listen. When we choose to be a Jesus follower, we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. We've also, when we accept Him as our Savior, something else that happens. He becomes our boss. Now, folks, as with any boss, we can choose whether to listen or not. We still have the free will, even after we accept Jesus Christ. The free will to choose to obey the message we heard from the beginning or not. True Jesus followers understand that they must choose love. Then choose love again and again and again and again. I heard that somewhere this morning. See? Choosing to love God's way is a daily choice. Folks, we will never experience true love without free will. Why? Because without free will, love is no longer love. It becomes mechanical. We're going to talk a little bit more about the love issue a little bit later. But right now, John continues by reading, excuse me, by reminding the family here of Jesus' followers of a familiar story to them. The story of two brothers. One brother named Cain, the other one Abel. Now, many of us sitting in this room probably know this story already. You know, both of them are professing to be God followers, uh, both professing to worship God. But the story goes that Abel's offering to God was accepted and Cain's was not. Well, now, this made Cain mad and he killed his brother. Well, to better understand the story, maybe let's just kind of apply it to today. All right? Let's take a look at, at what he's talking about if it happened here at Cap City. Well, they both come to church. The music begins. And Cain immediately begins to grumble to himself about the style of music. Abel connects with God through the lyrics of the song. So they muddle through that, and one of them muddles, and one of them is connected. Then the message begins, and Cain is hoping for a short sermon that will make him feel good about himself while pointing out the sins of somebody else. Abel is listening to the message anticipating the Spirit to speak to him, to his heart, to show him how he can become in a closer relationship with God. Now, both participated in communion. Cain eats the cracker, drinks the juice, never gives anything else a thought. Abel, on the other hand, eats the cracker, drinks the juice, thanks Jesus that he laid down his life for his sin. Thanks him in remembrance of saving his soul. Guess what? God accepted Abel's worship, but rejected Cain's. Now you may be thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're both sitting in the church. What's going on here? What's going on? Then God asked Cain, Why are you mad? I would have accepted your worship if you would have worshipped me with your heart in spirit and in truth like your brother Abel did. You see, Cain's heart was focused on what he wanted worship to be, how he liked it, how he wanted it. But real worship of God 
John warns his readers that do not be like Cain, but belong to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. The folks like most families, these two brothers had differing opinions, differing views about God and about worship and even about life. But Cain chose to allow his spirit, spiritual eyesight to be blinded by the evil one so much that he hated his own brother. So why did Cain hate his family members so much? Because the righteousness of his brother, Abel, reminded him of his own sinful action. Folks, I realize now there are, are times that family members disagree with one another over some other kind of issues. Folks, I, I can relate to that. And you know why I can relate to that? Because I have an older brother and an older sister. Yes, I'm the baby of the outfit. Now you understand why I am the way that I am, okay? But listen, listen, John is not talking about a family spat here. He's talking about true hatred. The kind of hate where you would not ever want to speak to them again, don't even care if you ever see them again, you genuinely despise them. In fact, you would probably rather see them dead. That kind of hate. See, the word hate here in this text means literally to cut the throat, as in slaughtering an animal to butcher. Now, we may not go as far as to physically butcher somebody or kill somebody because of our hatred toward them, but I wonder. I really wonder if what Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount applies here. When he says in Matthew 5, verses 21 and 22, you're familiar with the commands to the ancients. Do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is who is so much as angry with his brother or his sister, is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother an idiot, or you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtfully yell, stupid, at a sister, and you are on the brink of hell fire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. Hmm, I wonder... So when I'm angry and I'm carelessly and thoughtlessly call my brother or sister in Christ stupid or an idiot, I wonder, does that count? I wonder, I wonder, does it count if I get angry with the president, our governor, our mayor, even if I get mad at my neighbor and carelessly and thoughtlessly call them an idiot or stupid? Did I just commit murder? I wonder, when I'm angered by a post on social media and I carelessly just fire back how stupid and idiotic the post is, does that count? John turns his focus to the Jesus follower who chooses to love. And he says, in 3.13, so don't be surprised, friends. When the world hates you, this has been going on for a long time. 
Now, what in the world? John referenced Cain and Abel there to show the opposition between a, a heart guided by the evil one and a, an obedient heart to God. He develops the contrast between the two of the world and, and those who choose to be true Jesus followers. And folks, when Jesus followers choose to renounce sin and be obedient to, to the love command, they must be prepared for the antagonism and hostility that's going to come from outside, from out in the world. <coughs> Jesus told us that people hated him because he chose to love people. So don't expect anything less when you choose to love. In Mark, he says it's going to be uh, a brother killing brother, a father killing child, a children killing parents. There's no telling who will hate you because of me. He goes on to say, but stay with it. Stay with it. That's what is required. Stay with it to the end. You won't be sorry. You'll be saved. Wow, man, what an incentive, huh? <laughs> to be a Jesus follower that people's going to hate me? <laughs> wow. Family members killing to family members? Hmm. Wow, I don't know if I'm going to be a part of that or not. Family members killing family members, brothers killing sisters, because one chooses to live for God God's way. Folks, even when family members, biological or church family, become antagonistic toward you living, uh, toward you because you're living your life for God, don't hate them. Hang in there. Don't give up on them. Don't give in to the evil one. Choose to love them God's way. Because you see, the way we know we've been transformed from death to life is that we love our brothers and sisters. There's the qualifier. To show others that I am a true Jesus follower. That we have stepped out of the dark side into the light of God's love and grace. I know it is way easier, folks, to cancel people out than it is to love them. I understand that. But you know as well as I know, anything worth having, like eternal life, is worth the effort. And it's going to require effort. There was a woman who was surprised at church one day when another woman who had often snubbed her and even belittled her at times uh, went out of her way to give her a big hug before the service. She wondered, you know, what's going on here? What initiated this hug? Well, she got her answer at the end of the service that morning when the preacher instructed, now your assignment for next week is the same as last. I want you to go out there and love somebody you just can't stand. <laughs> well, <laughs> if loving others were only as easy as giving a hug to someone... <laughs> But just to hug them and, and move on. But no, folks, we need to love them. Loving them is a bit more difficult than just a hug. It requires continual effort because at the heart of loving is saying yes to live for God, God's way. And in doing so, you will put someone else's feelings ahead of your own. Believe me, folks, 
that's a huge battle. I know. Because I battle with that. But John went on to talk about how we experience love. He says, this is how we've become to understand and experience love, that Christ sacrificed his life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our own fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. Folks, the definition of love has been twisted to mean things that it's, it has nothing to do with its true meaning. True love, God's kind of love, is a choice. It is not a feeling. God's love is expressed when we lay aside our own personal opinions, our own personal preferences, and focus on somebody else. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Jesus put aside his life and chose God's love? How crazy is that, though? Why would Jesus give up his own life in this world? Why would he give up the chance to advance himself? Why would he give up the chance to better himself, to make a name for himself? Why would he give up the chance to be the king of the world? You know why? Because he valued his father's greatest possession, his greatest creation, which is mankind, which is you and me. We are so valuable to God. We are so valuable to Jesus. He would face a million Black Friday sales at Walmart to buy you. But the question goes, do I value you enough to face even a hundred Black Friday sales at Walmart to buy you? There is a difference there. Do I value enough to focus on you as a person rather than to count you out because your opinion is different than mine on political issues and on social issues? Folks, we're a family here at Cap City. We're not always going to agree with each other. Our opinions, yes, our preferences are going to be different. But we must never hate one another. We must keep the big picture in mind. The big picture is eternity. Folks, I do not want to step out into eternity with hate in my heart. Listen to what John tells the Jesus followers in verse 15. He said, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him hello do you hate someone truly despise someone would you rather see them dead than talk with them again now you may think you know that's none of my business but I'm just being too blunt and too forward why am I standing here? Why am I sharing this today? Because I love you. I love you enough to ask you to bring this to your attention. Folks, this is serious business. I don't want, I don't want you to step out into eternity if you have hate in your heart. Listen, folks, the end result is not good. 
If you claim to be a Jesus follower and hate a brother or sister, you don't truly love God. That is exactly what John tells his reader and is telling us the same thing. If anyone boasts, I love God and goes right out, hate it, right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he's a liar. If he won't love his per- this person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. Folks, we're going to be moving into a time of communion here. A time where we come together to remember Jesus Christ's death on the cross. This time we think of him and and thank him for the sacrifice that he made. But before we gather around here and share in this communion as as a family unit, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Are you struggling to forgive someone that didn't understand you or they've canceled you out? Or maybe it's going much deeper than that and you hate someone for what they've done to you. Well, if you kind of fit into one of those two, you need to talk to somebody and share with them. Folks, listen, I'm going to tell you how serious this is. That if I were to take communion with hatred in my heart, that is not true worship to God. That is not a worship that God's going to accept. How can I say that I love God and still hate my brother? Listen, you've got a couple of avenues here that you can take this morning. First one is I'll be sitting down front here you want to talk about your issues, you want to talk about the struggle, we'd love to talk with you. Doc's going to be close by if you want to talk with him. The other avenue is if you don't want to walk down front, there's an elder in that room back here who's been praying for you ever since the service started about the struggle that you're going through. If you're struggling, please don't leave this place without getting some guidance. If you are not a true Jesus follower and want to learn more about that, there's a couple avenues you got there too. You can come down front, talk with me, Doc, talk to the gentleman back in the prayer room. You can attend the getting started class right right after the service. But just don't leave here without Jesus in your heart. Pray with me if you would, please. Father God in heaven, I thank you so much. Lord, that we've gathered in this room today, a place where we can come and shut out the rest of the world and truly focus on you and your goodness and your greatness, Father. Lord, we can come and celebrate. Father, we can come and remember where we can come and be encouraged, where we can come and, and learn more of what it's like to be a Jesus follower and what that commitment means. Lord God, I pray for the people that's gathered in this room and those that's online with us, that, Father, if they're struggling with hatred or unforgiveness in their heart, dear God, I pray your Holy Spirit will will be on them, Father. It will help help them to understand that they need Jesus Christ in their life. Help them, Father, to understand the healing that can take place once they put others first and get past this hatred. Father God, I pray that each one of us in this room will continually love one another even when we face issues where we don't agree. 
Father, help us to express that love every day of our life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.